0: So um, today we are in the second week of our Wonder Series. And Hayden did a great job of explaining it a little bit before and, and the significance of these candles and the Advent season. And today we're lighting the candle that symbolises Bethlehem. And, um, and really it symbolises faith. But more specifically, it symbolises the preparation of the coming King. And so Mary and Joseph, they are going into Bethlehem so that Mary could give birth as the Scriptures declared that Jesus would be born in a town called Bethlehem. And so they are going into Bethlehem to give birth to this baby Jesus, the Son of God. And so in this time, uh, we are focusing, uh, I guess, a little bit more around the kind of faith that looks like us preparing the way for Jesus to enter into our lives, And um, I've got a really cool little story that I want to kick this off with today, and it involves my ring, this one right here. And um, (laughs) somebody asked me just before, what Renee, you've got no props, because I always have props, and I said, yes, but today I'm wearing it. Um, It's this ring. So... Um, we were at the beach and our kids were young and we've got teenagers now, but at the time they were little. And you know those shade sail tents that you pop up on the beach? Yeah, they're awesome, right? So we had one of those and we spent the day at the beach and, and it was so great. We had such a good time. The end of the day came, we packed up as you do and we put it all in the car. We put our kids in the car. We're ready to go. I'm sitting in the front seat. I look down, and there I have an empty finger. Oh, yeah. And so I start to retrace what had happened. And of course, I retraced it to the moment where I put my ring in the pocket of the enclosure of that little shade tent because it would be safe. And so it out comes the tent, and we're, we're unpacking it, and we're going into the little pocket in this shade tent and we find the wedding band, but no diamond ring. Oh my goodness. So you have that little mild panic. You know what you do, right? Then you run to where you think you've lost it. And all I could think is that when we shook the sand out of the tent, the ring went flying. Uh-huh. And so we're on the sand and we're looking for this ring. And seriously, uh, no word of a lie, like half the beach, because it was like that leaving time of the day, stopped and joined our search and rescue party. And so we're all like one by one, we've got, we're recruiting people, I tell you. We are recruiting the beach. And we find looking for this ring. And, um, and one by one, people sort of like, after looking for a while, it's starting to get dark, kind of look at us as they walk past, sorry, and off they go. Before long, it was just Steve and I looking for this ring. We stop and we're like, actually, I think we we maybe just have to admit that we can't find this ring. Um, I mean, it's not very easy to find little gold rings on a, a big bed of sand, right? And so we stand there and we decide that the only thing we can do is pray. Pray for a miracle. And so we say, God, if, you know, we've literally done all we can think of. We can't see it. It's up to you now. And so we prayed and we said, God, we ask for a miracle for this ring. We stopped in at the dairy on the way and we gave our name and number and a description of the ring just in case somebody not only found it, but was also honest enough to bring it into the dairy, the local dairy. And so we leave our name and number and off we go. Four weeks later... I get a call from the owner of the dairy. She says, you'll never believe this, but somebody has just handed in your ring four weeks later. Can you imagine how many people walked over my ring, pushing it down further deeper into the sand? And this is what she says to me. She says to me, I think what's happened is that last night we had a windstorm And probably it blew the surface layer off the sand so that it revealed your ring. And then someone went for an early morning walk this morning and found it and then thought to hand it into the dairy on the off chance somebody left their name and number there. If that is not God, then I don't know what it's. (laughs) But what, what I was so... Amazed by in this story is that it was a wind from outside of our ability to comprehend, outside of the circumstances of ourselves, outside of our own ability. A wind from elsewhere comes into this land, sweeps off the land, the sand, and brings up that which we thought was lost. You see, God is a God that would bring to the surface things that we think are lost. That He would help us and cause us to rediscover those incredible things that He put inside of us. And when God comes and enters into our life, He enters in a way that we never saw coming. When we do what we can do, God will come in and do what only He can do. And when I thought about that, It made me think about this candle that we are looking at today of faith, but more importantly, the preparation of the journey for the entry of the King into this world, Jesus. And so as we look at that, we can think that there is things that we've got to understand about what it looks like to prepare the way for a move of God in our lives. And I really love um, what we can find out about that in Matthew chapter 21. Because you see, it shows us that it's not just about the miracle. The miracle's the fun part, right? The amazing part. But it's not just about the miracle. It's about the posture that we live our lives from to prepare our lives for that miracle. And in Matthew 21, verse 1 to 11, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them out? Says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the centre of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The first thing that took my eye was where it says in verse 3, The Lord needs them. Go and get those donkeys over there because the Lord needs them. That made me stop and think. The Lord doesn't really need anything, right? He's a God of the impossible. Like he can literally form a donkey out of dust. He doesn't really need us to do anything. However, what this is showing us is that the need is not about the donkey and doing something for him. The need is about the faith step it takes to do what he has asked us to do, even when it seems absurd. And so the Lord needed something from them. The Lord needs something from you to prepare the way in your life for God to enter. And so there's some things in this Scripture that I think are incredible. There is so much symbolism that we can learn from today on what it looks like to prepare the way in our lives for that miracle that we're believing for. Let's just stop stop and take a moment and think about what that miracle is. What have you been waiting for? What are you believing for? Maybe you're believing for a new direction for your life. Maybe you're believing for a son or daughter to come home to Jesus. Maybe you are believing for a healing of some kind. Maybe there's a financial breakthrough that you are waiting on. Maybe there's an area in your business that just needs a touch from heaven. Maybe you are in school and you're you're about to face an exam and you need a peace. Maybe you're here and you've lost your way and you just, you need to understand that you have a purpose. You know it here, but you don't really believe it maybe that's the miracle you're waiting for. But let's just take a moment and reflect on what that miracle might be. Because like I said before, it's not about that moment where the miracle takes place, but it's about what we do before it to prepare the way for that miracle to take place in our lives. And so the first thing that I wanna pull out is we can find in verse seven, it says that they threw their garments on the road before Jesus, they threw their garments on the road before Jesus. So here they are surrendering what they have, and that's the first point. They are surrendering what they have. You can surrender to Him as we prepare the way for Him in our lives. And so we la- they're laying their garments down before Him. What is it in our lives that we are holding on to so tightly? that we are restricting God from doing what only He can do in our lives. What do we need to lay down? What do we need to surrender to God today? And so here they are surrendering their garments. They are laying them down before Jesus as He enters into Jerusalem. But the thing to understand about these garments is that these garments, what they mean in those times is that as you lay them down, it is an acknowledgement that you have got royalty on their way. So you are acknowledging that the person arriving is royal, is a king or a queen. And so by them laying down their garments, they are saying, this is our king. Unlike the worldly kings, we are acknowledging that this is the one true king. And so we are submitting, we are laying down our garments for Him. But not only that, what it also represented was submission. So in other words, it was a submission paid to royalty by laying down your garments. What is it that we need to lay down before the king of our lives today and submit to Him fully? What is it that we need to surrender to Jesus today? Surrender means giving up, trying to understand and becoming comfortable with what we do not know. Because you see, if God has the full plan, if He understands it, if this will be done in His way and in His time, we need to surrender our own plans. We need to become comfortable not knowing what's going on. We need to become comfortable waiting. Ouch. For a person that has had to learn how to be a whole lot more patient in the waiting, that does not come lightly, right? Waiting for that thing to change the circumstances that is hurting you so deeply. Waiting for that thing to happen that would completely turn the life of yourself or your family around? Waiting. And it's in this, it's in this kind of surrender that we learn to trust Jesus. Because growing close to God is not the result of trying harder, but it's by surrendering to Him. And so that's the second point that I want to draw from in this Scripture, is that not only do we need to surrender to Him, we need to trust in Him. You see, it says, and this is a really important part, it says in the Scripture that Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey. He chose to ride in on, on a donkey. Now, not only would that be completely in contrast to what you would presume a king would come into the city on, right? You would think it would be more like a chariot led by horses, like made of gold. But yet here he comes on a donkey. And it actually says that they had to say, look, that's the king right there. You see, no one even recognised him because he came in a way that they could not foresee. And that is what it looks like to trust in God because He will arrive into your life in a way that you did not see coming. And so we've got to be a people that would recognise God when He arrives because He will not come in the way that we had planned or desired. We thought a chariot and He arrives on a donkey. And He arrives on a donkey to say a few things. One of them is to say, you know what, I am not like every other king arriving on a golden chariot pulled by horses. I am a different kind of a king. I am the kind of a king that would be humble. It says in the Word that God gives grace to the humble and we know that Jesus certainly had a lot of grace on His life. And so Jesus is saying, I am a king that knows how to be humble. But not only that, The symbolism of the donkey in those times, in Hebrew writings, the donkeys are often referred to as evil, as Satan, as harm, and as non-covenant people, which means those that are not yet knowing Jesus or born into his lineage, And so what we can see in this is that by Jesus riding in to the city on a donkey, what He is saying is that I am riding in and I am letting you know that I am here to overcome evil in this world. I am here to overcome the harm that would come your way. I am here to overcome the lineage, the heritage of your backstory. I am here to overcome what your life has looked like from here to here. I am a God that makes a way where there is no way. I am here to overcome Satan himself. And so when Jesus rides in on donkey, He literally says, I am overriding all of that. I am sitting on all of that. That is beneath my feet. The really cool thing and the parallel we can draw here, is that this wasn't the only time Jesus rode into a city on a donkey. You see, His mother Mary rode into Bethlehem to give birth to Him on a donkey as a prophetic statement to this world to say that what I am carrying is here to overcome all of evil and all of what Satan might do in your life. You know, it says in Isaiah 53, that He was pierced. He was pierced for our rebellion. It says that He was crushed for our sins. It says that He was beaten so that we would be whole. It says that He was whipped so that we would be healed. That is why Jesus entered into our life. And that is how He wants to come into your life. If we would just prepare the way. And the third thing we can see in this Scripture is that not only did they lay down garments, they laid down evergreens, they laid down greenery. And in John calls them, in, in the book of John, it says that that greenery is palm leaves. Now back in those times, those palm leaves were used to represent joy and victory, You see what the people of the city were doing? We were doing this. As they laid down those palm leaves for Jesus to arrive, they were saying, I am believing in faith. I am praising with every bit of joy and victory I know right now because I understand that Jesus is coming to heal, save and restore this land. And so they are laying these things down as a way of saying, I am praising God in advance for what I do not yet see. And so that is the third point. We praise regardless of our circumstances. It doesn't even matter what it looks like. It doesn't even matter how God comes into your world. We praise in advance. We praise continually. I love what it says in the Bible about praising it says enter his great gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name what that means is that it is our praise that will posture us in the court of the most high god in the place to receive from heaven all that god has for you it is in our praise it says In Psalms 22, verse 3, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And in another translation, it says that He inhabits our praises. He literally dwells in our praises. When you are praising Him, I can tell you what's happening. Stuff is shifting in your life. God is doing what only He can do. He is preparing that windstorm to come so that it would sweep over and reveal the thing that was lost in your life. When you praise, he inhabits your praises. I love in Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5, it says, A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In the wilderness, we pray. In the wilderness, where it looks like there is nothing left. In the wilderness, we praise God. In the wilderness is where we prepare the way for Jesus. It is when we feel destitute. It is when we lack hope. It is when we're sick of waiting. That's when we praise God and we make the way for Him. It speaks in the Scriptures that sometimes praising God is a sacrifice. It says to bring a sacrificial offering of praise to the Lord. And sometimes it feels very much like a sacrifice I know there's been times in my life that I have had no energy to pray, felt completely hurt, stuck on the ground, despondent, lost all hope, totally disappointed, feeling betrayed. And in that place, I learned what it looked like to really praise God. I learnt what it looked like to actually offer a sacrifice of praise. When you feel like you've got nothing left, it is then that you find yourself on your knees, praising God for what He is going to do, laying down the palm leaves and joy and victory in advance for Jesus entering into your story.